We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles. My name is Chris Biederman. I cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me, it's Kyle Madsen of Niners Wire of USA Today, USA Today Sports Media Group. It's easy for me to say, Kyle, how's it going? How's your bracket so far? Uh, it's, you know, it's it's actually doing well. I just lost Belmont, which is fine, which is fine. I'm over it. Like, I'm over it. Like, I don't care that they had a chance to win and they had a trash possession at the very end. Uh, and then their last second heave with two seconds left was poorly thought out and and actually got contested. Like, uh, but that's fine. You know, I'm over it. It's it's fine. I hate Belmont. Whatever. <laughs> you seem like you're <laughs> reacting pretty well to this. Yeah, I think I'm handling on, it well. Thanks. On on day one of of the NCAA tournament, we're gonna have that on in the background. Uh, Belmont trash. <laughs> uh, apologies if we have any belmont fans listening to this podcast um no no you if you're surely... listening to this podcast don't listen anymore i hate you <laughs> well they surely fine, get though. away from the basketball season that just ended by listening to a football podcast so let's give them that opportunity kyle fine <laughs> okay uh so it's thursday we're gonna go back through the first i don't know 10 days of uh of the nfl the 2019 league calendar uh and and we're gonna grade all the significant moves that the 49ers have made so far and we have a bunch listed in our rundown let's see how many we have one two three four five six seven eight moves that we're going to talk about at length Try to hit them from all angles during this episode. I noticed uh, you said eight. Does that include Justin Vogel? No, the eight does not include Justin Vogel. Okay, that we can be talk separate, about that too. Okay, real quick. Deal. Okay. okay, the Niners have a new punter. His name is Justin Vogel. He was a Pro Bowl alternate after the 2018 season with the Packers. Kyle, your thoughts on Justin Vogel? 
Really excited to see Justin <laughs> Vogel kick for the 49ers. He's 6'5", I think 220. So they like their big punters. Bradley Pinion was big as well. He's much faster than Bradley Pinion. As you noted on the internet, he ran a faster 40. 4.7. Yeah, which is That's... good news. He can really cook. <laughs> and he really important do... for the, punters. The... The thing that actually matters is is a he had a way better average than than Pinion did, but uh, he didn't do kickoffs. I don't think. Yeah. For, so for he, Green Bay. Yeah, he did in practice occasionally, um, and he did kickoffs. I want to say at Miami in like his freshman or sophomore season. So he's done them before, but obviously not good enough to stick. At, at any level over a prolonged period of time. So I would think, I, I mean, I would imagine the 49ers do not want Robbie Gold to have to worry about kickoffs, and maybe they would argue that one of the reasons Robbie Gold has been so effective these last couple of years is that he didn't have to do it. And it's not like, you know, kickoffs are super strenuous, but uh, it's kind of a max effort thing that you have to do a few times a game. And if you can you know, if you're a kicker and you don't have to worry about that at any point, then you can just focus on field goals. I'm sure there's some sort of physical element to it that, you know, you're not straining yourself as much. I don't know. I'm, I've never been a kicker. Um, we can talk to Robbie Gold about it, but I, I would imagine that uh, Justin Vogel is going to be at minimum a camp leg with a chance to win a roster spot. And we'll see how that shakes out for kickoffs. How's that for analysis? To start the pod. Yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> Someone <laughs> tuned into this free agency pod. I don't know what it'll be titled yet. Something about grading the <laughs> Niners free agency. And we're four minutes in. <laughs> and they've gotten one minute of me bitching about Belmont and three minutes of punter breakdown. Yeah. Well, we got to be versatile. We got to mix it up. We can't just be one trick monotonous ponies, right? We we have to yeah, be versatile. Hopefully um, D Ford can be versatile for the 49ers. That's Am I a right? Good, good segue. Nice work. Uh, yeah, let's talk about D Ford. So that's obviously the biggest move the 49ers have made to this point, uh, essentially giving them a pass rusher off of the edge that they've been lacking for a really long time, probably since Alden Smith was released from the team right before the 2015 season. Uh, the 49ers gave up a 2020 second round draft pick in the trade with the Chiefs. They signed Ford to an $87.5 million contract, $20.5 million guaranteed at signing and up to $45 million guaranteed in injury protection. Overall, the deal is pretty typical of, of the kind of contract the 49ers like to sign. Um, they like to give out big roster bonuses to guys who just sign, which is essentially a guarantee in the moment. Signing bonuses get spread out equally over the length of the contract. So those are the prorated bonuses you see when people talk about those numbers. Um, right. Overall... I mean, look, the 49ers didn't turn the ball over at all last year. They were historically inept in turning the ball over. They had just seven takeaways, uh, including two interceptions, none of which came from a cornerback. D Ford, NFL advanced metrics say, or uh, next-gen stats, I should say, uh, they had D Ford forcing 10 turnovers on his own for the Chiefs last year. Uh, that was more than any defensive player in the league. According to Pro Football Focus, D Ford had more pressures off the edge than anybody else. Uh, so you could, it, it, I mean, it's, it doesn't take a ton of analysis to say that, you know, the 49ers couldn't turn the ball over. They couldn't pressure the quarterback off the edge and they got arguably one of, if not the best edge player from last season on their team. Now, 
Um, so it makes plenty of sense, but I, I don't think it's a slam dunk. Well, what's your, what are your thoughts on, on D Ford? I'm cautiously optimistic about it. I'm interested to see where he fits. They, they said that he's going to play Leo, but I, I don't know if he's going to be an every down guy for them. And his numbers are, are pretty inconsistent, but that was partly due to Tom Bahali being in front of him for his first couple of years. And then he got, he had 10 sacks, I think in 2016, right? And then he got hurt in 2017 and then he came back last year with a huge year. So if they're getting a guy, they don't need him to be a 15, 16 sack guy. If he can, if he can notch nine or 10 off the edge, uh, pairing that with DeForest Buckner, and then what's likely to be a edge player with the number two pick. I, I think that's, I think that's fine. So my expectations are are tempered for now, but if he's going to come back and and be again the best edge player in the league, uh, at least analytically, that's something that uh, that's something that I'm sure the 49ers would be fine with. Yeah, he had just five and a half sacks over his first two seasons, like you said, playing behind Tom Bali. Uh, in 2017, he played in just six games because he had back surgery. And back surgery is always kind of a scary proposition, right? But uh, because you never really know how long it can linger. And really, you know, if you if you make one sudden movement the wrong way, you could aggravate a back injury. The good news in terms of D Ford's recovery, uh, he played all 16 games last year, played over a thousand snaps and had one of the most productive seasons of any defender in the NFL. So it would appear that any that there aren't any lingering issues with that back surgery. So that's obviously good news for the 49ers. Um, I, I think for all these reasons, I mean, and, and you're right, we don't know how he's going to fit. We mentioned on the pods last week, um, or at least I did. I, I, don't, I don't know that he's going to be a base package player. I, I you know, he, he hasn't graded out against the run particularly well, according to, you know, looking at pro football focuses metrics and, and reading about him. He, and one of the reasons why the Chiefs didn't want him, by the way, as a as a four three defensive end as they convert from a three four, is because of what he was against the run. Uh, that's not to say the 49ers aren't going to use him in in base downs, and I honestly don't think base downs are really all that important anyway. The Niners right. have so many defensive linemen who can play along the edge or inside um, that they can be good against the run in first down scenarios without needing Ford to be on the field. And then, you know, if you lessen his load and only use him on second and third down or in sub packages, then you're going to keep him fresher throughout the year. And maybe he's more productive and more efficient in that sense. So, um, I, you know, I'm going to give the grade a B that's, that's what I, I, I did a write up grading, uh, grading the, the trade and, and the contract last week. I, I think, you know, it, there logically it makes plenty of sense for reasons that we said, but, um, I, I'm just not, you know, one year of of really high production. I mean, he had 10 sacks in 2016, but this is really coming off one really good year of production. And we don't know, uh, you know, we don't know if he can st- sustain that type of production season to season. And that's really the big question mark. And, and when you're the 49ers, you have to take chances like this because you're Kyle Shanahan and you're John Lynch and you're entering year three after going 10 and 22 your first two seasons and one of the big reasons why you struggled was because you didn't have a pass rusher off the edge to complement your glut of talent on the in, on the inside with the Forrest Buckner, Eric Armstead, and Solomon Thomas, all first round picks. So you add D Ford to that mix, and potentially somebody like Nick Bosa or Josh Allen uh, or maybe Queen and Williams. We'll see. 
the Forty Nineers have the makings of a really good pass rush, but I'm it's it's not a hundred percent for me. Like I, I think we we still need to see D Ford put together back to back highly productive seasons before we can say this is an A. Uh, so I'm going to give this a B. Yeah, I'm going to do the exact same thing for for most of the things that you mentioned. I think there are still too many questions here that need to be answered before you can really give this a, an A type of grade. Because if he goes out and he racks up 13 sacks and forces all sorts of turnovers again, then you're obviously looking at an A because the 49ers acquired for a 2020 second round pick the exact type of player they needed. But there's also a chance that he goes back and has seven sacks and it's just kind of a, a run-of-the-mill edge rusher that they could have gotten for a lot cheaper without giving up a draft pick, in which case that signing now becomes probably something south of a B. So I think right now on paper, it looks great, but there are still too many question marks for me to put it in that A category. So I'll stick with a B. Okay, so Ford received, let's talk about financials for, for a second. Ford received $20.5 million guaranteed at signing. Uh, 45 million in injury in injury guaranteed protection, right? So, if he's healthy and can pass a physical by April 1st, 2020, then the 13.65 million base salary for 2020 is fully guaranteed. So, the 49ers are going to have a lot of time to make a decision on D Ford in terms of whether or not they want him back at that number at a potentially. Uh, you know, $16.1 million cap hit, including his prorated bonus and per game roster bonuses and all that. Um, So that's what they do with these contracts. They, they give them a lot of money up front, put a lot of money in these guys pockets as soon as they sign. And then the, the trade-off is having the ability to move on from these contracts entering year two, if Ford were, you know, to not, to not be productive or get hurt and not have the type of season um, that, the 49ers would would feel warrants a 16.1 million dollar investment for next year uh then they can get off get off that they can release him um they could restructure the contract maybe they can convert some of the base salary into bonuses do all these things to generate more cap space um so really i mean it's a flexible contract the 49ers didn't give out a ton of guarantees i know the the 87.5 million is is a really big number and it certainly makes him one of the highest paid defensive players in the NFL. But in actuality, it, the, the contract, you know, that's the max the contract can be worth, right? There, there's a, there's a much better chance that Ford gets significantly less than that. Um, unless he's just a pro bowler, uh, you know, each of the next five seasons throughout the duration of the deal, then he's going to reach all of his incentives his total contract, his total value of the contract will increase by two and a half million per season if he reaches a Pro Bowl f- for each season. Um, so there's there's plenty of opportunity for D Ford to make all of that money, but there's also a lot of flexibility the 49ers have, uh, which leads into I, I think it's it's a prominent part of the discussion we're going to have about Quan Alexander, the linebacker that they signed. Um, to, you know, at the time, early last week, it was the largest inside linebacker contract ever given out to an NFL player. It was a four-year, $54 million deal. The $14.5 million, uh, or the $14 million, I need to do the math again, um, was per season was the highest of, of any inside linebacker, but that was quickly surpassed by uh, C.J. Mosley's deal with the New York Jets. But 
Uh, Quan Alexander, uh, this, you know, I, I think it makes sense in terms of obviously they need to find a replacement for Ruben Foster. And these are sort of the acquisitions you need to make when you miss on first round draft picks. And, and we hit on that a lot. Um, yeah. I, th- this deal is, I mean, the more I look at it and the more I think about it, um, I, I just don't know if it was the right move. And I, I think there were all cheaper alternatives that come with less risk. Um, even though this is a really flexible contract and we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, it was so strange because, especially with all their injury issues last year, the first thing they do is give a ton of money to a guy coming off a catastrophic injury. And I know that ACLs aren't what they used to be because 10, 15 years ago, that was a borderline career ender. And now we're in a space where, all right, that guy's out for a season and then he comes back and is typically okay. But they've got to be supremely confident that Quan Alexander, who relies a lot on his athleticism, is going to come back at 100% or 98% of the player that he was. Because if he's not, this is a colossal waste of money. Because like you said, and even going back to what we said about D Ford, if he comes in and he's just an average player, you could have had an average player. They have an average player. They have Elijah Lee already for really cheap. And they could have used an early draft pick and and had a had a cheap option there as well. So they have to be extremely, extremely confident that Quan Alexander is going to come back at something close to the player and athlete that he was. Because they wanted a playmaker up front, and he, he was that. He's fast, he's he's athletic, he's always around the ball. Like guys like that find ways to to generate turnovers. Kyle Shanahan called it uh violence, right? He plays with speed and violence. And that's that's great, but they have to make sure that he can still play at that speed to play with that violent style that that comes up with big plays. It comes up with turnovers. And, and typically, when you when you talk to guys about you know coming back from ACL injuries, it's that you know the, they can come back within a year. Like coming back or, or you know within nine or ten months is, is realistic. But at what percentage are they coming back at, right? Like, are they 80% of the player they were? Uh, are they 90%? You know, very rarely are guys 100% from the jump as soon as they get back. And right. Alexander tore his ACL in late October, October 21st against the Browns. That's significantly later. You know, Jarek McKinnon, I think his came September 1st. And Jimmy Garoppolo right. came uh, September 23rd. And so, the, you know, these are like significantly happened significantly earlier than Alexander's injury. And we don't know if McKinnon's going to be ready for training camp. We have a pretty good idea that Jimmy Garoppolo will be just because of the nature of playing quarterback, but we don't know that McKinnon's going to be ready. And his happened almost two months before Alexander did. So when is Alexander going to come back? Is he going to be ready for training camp? We don't know that. Uh, he was walking without any, you know, noticeable limp for whatever that's worth at his introductory press conference and was very optimistic. He didn't provide any timetables. But yeah, I mean, you're you're giving a guy 14 and a half million in guarantees for 2019 and you don't know when he's going to come back and at what capacity he's going to be when he does return to the field. So yeah, I think it, if if all things are perfect and Quan Alexander, 24 year, years old, really fast, uh, had a ton of tackles, went to a Pro Bowl. I mean, 
those things are all positive, right? Like Kyle Shanahan talked about how much of a pain he was to game plan for back when, right. when he used to have to play Alexander t- twice a year when they were in the N- when he was in the NFC South as the Falcons offensive coordinator. But you don't know that that's the Alexander that you're getting. Uh, so you're paying a premium on on far from a sure thing. And you look at, you know, what KJ Wright got, you look at what Jordan Hicks got, those contracts are much more palatable and much cheaper for players who aren't coming off ACL tears. And, you know, I just, to me, this is like a, I mean, this, this is at best a C and the, I mean, there's, there's a chance that this is just ends up being a really bad signing. If Alexander just, you know, misses training camp, isn't ready till October, and then sort of is a shell of himself early in the season. Then you gave him fourteen and a half million for a subpar year, and then you're faced with a decision. You know, his eleven point two five million base salary for twenty twenty becomes fully guaranteed right by April first. So, you know, that's that's not going to be an easy decision. I don't think. Like, unless he just comes back and balls out, which I think probably is a thirty percent chance of happening, which isn't great. I mean, I don't know. You know, if is this going to be a one-year deal? Like, ultimately, are they going to pay him fourteen and a half million, and then see him, you know, struggle to come back from the injury, and then decide not to pay him eleven point two five, and then draft somebody or sign another linebacker? Or, I mean, I don't know. I just and the thing is too, and and I think Josh Dubow of the of the AP uh, brought this up. Like, even if he is at full strength and and earns, you know, his fourteen. 14 million a year or, or, or not start. That's, that's the wrong way to say it. If, if Quan Alexander is at full capacity, is he a $14 million player? Like if he plays in 16 games, if he's making a hundred tackles, is that a $14 million player in today's NFL? And I don't know that it is. So the fact that, I mean, really the best thing you could say about this deal is the fact that the 49ers can get out of it after a year and I, that's not good when that's the most endearing thing about a $14.5 million investment. Yeah, they clearly see his speed and ability to generate turnovers as as a plus, right? Because they had seven turnovers as a team last yeah, year. Yeah, that's important to point out, too. He for, he's, he and forces it, fumbles and he, and he gets interceptions. That's, that's a big thing to point out. So they obviously put a major premium on that and they they were willing to overpay a guy coming off an ACL tear the the bigger concern for me is is whether they are comfortable with saying all right hey you're not going to play until week 5 when you're fully uh ready to go you're as you're as strong as you're going to be in your return or are they going to feel this pressure to say, hey, we need to get this guy on the field week one. You know, you may be 80%, but you're not going to hurt it any worse. So you'll just kind of rehab as you go, get out there and make some plays. Sure. And perhaps the new, their their new uh, athletic training and and health staff will ensure that that doesn't happen. But that's, I think, my biggest concern when you look at how much they paid him this year that they might rush him back onto the field 
and he has a subpar year, not so much because of ability, but because he he came back too fast. Right. So KJ Wright, who obviously plays in plays with the Seahawks, uh, is going to be 30 years old in 2019. Familiar with the scheme. Got way less than 14 million. All that signed a two year deal worth 14 million overall. So he's he's making exactly half of Quan Alexander. Uh, Jordan Hicks, who I think a lot of people would argue is probably better than Quan Alexander. Uh, he signed a four-year, $34 million contract with the Cardinals. And even if you don't think he's better, on that contract, he's probably a better value. Um, so, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know what the rush was necessarily to do this deal. They agreed to it on Monday of last week. It's two hours into the legal tampering session. Yeah, and, and I mean, we talked about Alexander, but I didn't think he would he would get that type of investment in year one. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's gotta be something where either Kyle Shanahan or Robert Sala just really pounded the table for him. Um, we mentioned that, you know, there's, there's locker room stuff too. Like he's a, he's a good, he's a teammate that a lot of people liked with Tampa Bay. Uh, a lot of Mm -hmm. his teammates are really devastated when he suffered that knee injury. So there is something to be said for that. I don't know exactly how that transfers, uh, to, to, you know, giving him um, all that money coming off the injury. But um, yeah, to me, it's it's a C deal. Uh, and uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if it turns out to be not a good one. And, and we're talking about the 49ers needing to get another linebacker next spring. That what I, something I want to touch on real quick that, that you brought up. The quickness which with, with which they signed him was very strange. And I don't think we ever talked about it. Yeah, but what I like I said they they have to be just insanely confident that he's going to be ready by week one because I don't understand I don't understand the logic behind not waiting was there another team kicking his door down yeah and and or, that's what they say right uh, like when they so when they signed Jarek McKinnon last year to a deal that looked like an above market deal which which I think guaranteed him 12 million for last season they said well there was a lot of competition to to sign him and maybe that was true for Alexander but i mean if it is like i i think you 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 should probably be more willing to let that materialize and and like i said maybe there's you know he has he has sub four five speed or or he's he's right at four five, um, and mm-hmm. that's really really fast for a linebacker and obviously faster than Jordan Hicks and KJ Wright, um, but you know I just don't know if it was worth that premium, particularly coming off the injury. If he didn't have the ACL tear, then I don't I, I don't think I would have any problem with his signing at all. Like right. if he was fully right. healthy and you're and you're making him one of the game's highest paid linebackers for next season, then I think you're okay. Uh, but because it's the injury and because there's all that uncertainty, it's it's definitely questionable. The other point, and I and we talked about this too, but how much of this money could you have saved and put it towards a safety? Right? Like the Niners the, well, the Niners solution at safety, at least through free agency, was bringing back Jimmy Ward and Anton Exum, which you know is obviously questionable at best given how the safety group played featuring those two guys last year, right? Uh, so right. not going after Earl Thomas or Tyron Matthew or LaMarcus Joyner uh, or Trey Boston at this point, who I think is still unsigned. I mean, 
I believe that's the case. Yeah, so uh, it signals to me that they're gonna that they're gonna do something in the draft. But I I think yeah, I would have might... rather I would have rather gone the route of of Jordan Hicks or KJ Wright at a significantly lower number, significantly less injury risk. Yeah, you're getting players who are a little bit older. Alexander's still only 24, which is probably one of the big reasons why he's so expensive. But um, if it meant getting one of those linebackers and then a better veteran safety, I think that would have been better for the defense than just investing in this linebacker, in this one linebacker, even if you think his upside is much higher. So a couple of things on this. One, my theory on safety is either they really like a player in the draft that they think can be a long-term starter for them. Or they don't value the position that much that they're going to pay premium dollars for it, which would, to me, be a little bit silly given that John Lynch played that position in the NFL and the NFL is chock full of examples where a good safety can make or break a defense. But I also think that they they have so many young players at that position who have never gotten a chance to play with a good pass rush. And I think maybe they want to play out a season where they have a decent pass rush and then see how those guys respond. Right. And they don't want to invest a ton of money in a safety when, when they might have two starting caliber safeties on the roster already. And that makes sense to me. Yeah. What go ahead. What, what John Lynch's and the front office's aggressiveness tells me is that's at least good news, I think, that they are aggressive in the players they want, right? They wanted Jarek McKinnon. They went out and they paid the money to get him. They wanted Quan Alexander. They went out and they paid the money to get him, which, and they, they have not put themselves in any major salary cap issues yet. And I suppose that's at least a good thing that they're aggressive and going getting players they want. But now they've got to make sure they're identifying good players. Like that's that's the bigger half of this equation. And I'm uncertain if they've done that in the case of Alexander. Totally, totally agree with you. Um, yeah, and we talked about safeties in the draft in uh, in the podcast episode earlier this week. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and check that one out. We talked about a bunch of guys who could be in the mix. Round two at pick number 36 and in round three. Um and and maybe that's where they're at. Uh, and I will say to like Jimmy Ward when he's healthy is a good player, but he's just never ever healthy. So I I think the 49ers feel like if they can somehow squeeze a healthy season out of Jimmy Ward, then they would be okay at safety. Uh, but you know, obviously he's broken so many bones and dealt with so many other injuries that you know that's a huge question mark. And we're going to talk about Ward coming up. But first, Kyle. The first weekend of the NCAA tournament is the greatest betting event of the year. Do you agree with that? What is it? Okay, good. So so whether you like filling out a bracket, picking a national champion, predicting first-round upsets, or all of the above, my bookie is the perfect home for your March Madness fun. Will Zion Williamson and his teammates cement their legacy at Duke with a title? I don't think so. Can Virginia get past its loss to a 16 seed last year? Hmm... Nah. And can Kentucky get back to the Final Four? No, I don't think so. If you know the answers like Kyle, or even if you don't, MyBookie is a place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. MyBookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business. And the best part is they pay you out fast when you win. I'm talking 48 hours. 
Bet with the best, then kick back and enjoy March Madness while you watch your picks cash in. Deposit with my bookie today with promo code BLUEWIRE for 50% sign-up bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. With my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. This is Mike McGlinchey of the San Francisco 49ers. You're listening to the, the Candlestick Chronicles. Speaking of getting paid, we're getting we're getting pretty good at these transitions. We're so we? good at these. Uh, the Niners paid Tevin Coleman, running former running back of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, $8.5 million over two years. And I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm giving this one an A because yeah. it's basically it's basically like I mean the cap hit is inconsequential. Um it's a short-term deal, so there's no, you know, long-term ramifications really. Uh you look at, you know, we mentioned Jarek McKinnon's money and that was uh, you know, his deal that was front-loaded, that was a lot last year. Well, now that we're in year 2 of the contract, he's only making 3.7 million. Um, and that becomes fully guaranteed April 1st of this year, which is kind of an interesting note because I don't know that, you know, the Niners are a hundred percent on bringing him back after getting Coleman because Coleman is obviously starting caliber running back. Um, but you look at McKinnon's $3.9 million salary, his, his cap hit is going to be 5.75 million. Uh, Coleman's is going to be 3.6. So your top two running backs with who have the potential to to really you know be the fulcrum of the offense uh that's 9.35 million in combined cap hits from your top two backs and in Kyle Shanahan's offense that could be a a really nice bargain if those two guys can stay healthy and be productive like the 49ers are hoping they can be um and I just think Coleman given what he brings out of the backfield um, he scored lots of touchdowns the last couple of years. Obviously, the 49ers have not been good at scoring touchdowns. Yeah. Um, how's that for analysis? Is that good analysis? Really strong. Really, really good. Okay. Um, yeah, I just think two years, eight and a half million. I think this is an A, and I think we're going to look back on this one as as probably the best move that they made in free agency this offseason. I was wondering if they were going to add a running back maybe through the draft, later in the draft, just as a body to have in there because they had so many injury issues at the position last year. Adding a player who has not only produced in the NFL, but specifically produced at a good clip under Kyle Shanahan is is a home run for me. He doesn't have to be a thousand yard rusher. Like they don't need him to be anything more than what he was in Atlanta. And he was really, really good for them. So even though this creates a little bit of a log jam in the backfield, I here's here's my hard hitting analysis. Having a bunch of players who can score touchdowns from anywhere on the field at any time is better than not having those players. Yeah. Yeah. I think you hit the nail right on the head there. Thanks man. I looked, (laughs) I looked that up on PFF. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Coleman scored nine touchdowns over two seasons in 2015 and 2016 when Shanahan was the offensive coordinator there. He averaged 4.4 yards per carry. Obviously, this was in a backup role to uh, Devonta Freeman. He averaged 13.2 yards per catch uh, in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Um, I mean, just last year, he he had 1,000 yards from scrimmage, scored nine touchdowns. Year before that, scored eight touchdowns. In 2016, he scored 11 touchdowns. That year, where Shanahan really blew the lid off the rest of the league with with 
you know, all the skills that they had on offense, but also with his scheme. Um, I mean, if you get, if you get eight touchdowns from, you know, your one a or one B running back, you're going to be in good shape. And, and I think Coleman could have a really drastic impact on the offense. And overall, like you mentioned, I mean, there was, I think, you know, Kyle Shanahan, he never really said it, but I think part of him was just incredibly frustrated at the, the status of his running backs last year. Just, you know, Matt Breida always dealing with an ankle injury. You know, he played really well, looked like a guy who could, I mean, he was, he was near the top of the league in rushing or at least yards per carry for like half the year, but he was just so slowed by ankle injuries that his numbers started to tail off. Obviously McKinnon's injury was big. Um, Raheem Mostert breaks his arm with a freak injury in early November after really coming on and, and particularly in that Monday night game against the Packers. Uh, so you look at those four running backs that they could have with Mostert, Brita, uh, McKinnon, and now Coleman. I mean, that's a track team. First of all, all those guys are really, really fast. Right. Uh, and they all fit Kyle Shanahan's offense and, and, you know, McKinnon and Coleman, particularly out of the backfield, as pass catchers could be a pretty lethal duo. And I wonder how creative Shanahan's going to get in terms of, you know, maybe using both on the field at once, um, creating matchup problems and things like that. But yeah, I, I'm all in on this, on this Coleman thing. It's, it's a, it's a really cheap signing. He's been incredibly productive and we know he fits Kyle Shanahan's scheme and we know that he knows it. Um, so I don't really see any downside here. I don't either. They they okay. they needed they needed depth and they got a player who's good in this system and we've seen him be good in this system. All right, so I think yeah we both we both like that one. We're giving that one an A. And it's a good contract. Uh, it's a good contract. It's a cheap contract, and uh, it's hard to find fault with it, particularly given all their issues at running back last year. And now you know with only six draft picks, they don't have to invest a pick in a running back if they don't, if they don't feel like it. Um, yep. And we'll see that April, April 1st date is coming up here and uh, it's no sure thing. I mean, I'm leaning towards the 49ers, you know, keeping McKinnon and, and guaranteeing his salary for the coming season. But you know, the fact that they went after Coleman might indicate they're not so certain that he's going to be back. Uh, at a hundred percent or at least where he needs to be. So let's talk about another one, uh, another possible starter who, I mean, th- this could go a ton of different ways. Let Jason Verrett, former first round pick of the San Diego chargers in 2014. Now they play in LA. Um, do you know that, you know, the chargers moved to LA. What? Yeah. Crazy. Right. Um, so Jason Verrett, First round pick, really good player, familiar with the scheme because Gus Bradley runs the same offense as coordinator with the Chargers that Robert defense. Sala does. He runs defense. the same defense. Same, same defense. Um, but he's played in five games in the last three years. Uh, That's so not awesome. Not awesome. So he's coming off an Achilles tear. Uh, suffered during a conditioning test last August. And USA Today Sports, they have a post up, uh, which is which is a brief injury history breakdown of Jason Verrett. So here's what and it it's says: a thousand words long. <laughs> it's not a thousand words long, but it's lengthy. So 2014, Verrett had a labrum and rotator cuff tears in his left shoulder, caused him to play just uh, six games as a rookie. Uh, didn't play in 2015, right? 
Is that true? No, played 14 games. Sorry, played 14 games in 2015. That was was his best season. Yeah, went to the Pro Bowl in 2014. Um Three interceptions, scored a touchdown, 12 pe- uh, pass breakups. Really good player that season. Uh, 2016, a partial tear of his ACL that ended his third season. After four games, 2017, aggravated that injury in week one. Uh, only appeared in one game. And then in 20, and then yes, missed all of last season because he tore an Achilles uh, at a conditioning test right before the start of training camp. So this is a guy the 49ers think could be a starter, but we have no idea if he's going to be healthy enough to get back to that level because obviously ACL and Achilles tears are are no joke. Yeah, and if he does, he's the best cornerback on their roster, <laughs> Richard Sherman included. And if they, they somehow get a healthy season from him. This is a big time victory. They'll probably only have him for one year because I imagine he'll get, he'll get paid pretty handsomely. If he's healthy, if he, if he he does put together a a full healthy season, right? So it's a one year, $3 million contract. Uh, half of it comes in roster bonuses and then 600,000 comes in incentives. So he's not going to make a ton of money this year. Um, the 49ers still have 37 million in cap space that they could presumably roll over into next year. Presumably, too, that number is going to be probably 47 million overall if the cap goes up by another 10 million next year. Um, so they they could have enough money to re-sign him, but I, I have no idea where to start with this because I just I don't know how you could have any confidence that he is going to be healthy. Yeah, sure, and that's why he was brought in to compete and not start I think they I think they still draft a cornerback because if the goal was to add a cornerback who can compete for a starting job and Verrett gets hurt in training camp that that whole thing is is done away with so I don't think this precludes them from drafting a corner but the the risk reward is is well worth it I think yeah the the is is very low because he's cheap and if he gets hurt then uh so be it it's it's a significant bummer for him because he's an excellent player, but uh, for from the 49ers standpoint, it's not like they paid him a ton or give him a long term deal. Uh, if he does come in and he plays at a Pro Bowl caliber level, then suddenly their defense looks a lot better. So yeah, it I, that I that's the key point, I guess, is how much are you relying on Jason Verrett in in 2019, and if it's just to possibly compete for for a starting job and push a Kelly Witherspoon into various more and maybe speed up their development, then it's a good signing. If he comes in and gets hurt, then it's not a good signing. But either way, it's only one year and $3 million. And this is a guy who has Pro Bowl potential. So a lot obviously has to go right because it's been a while since he did play at that level and there have been a bunch of injuries since then. Um, But you are banking on upside. And like you said, if, if they do draft another corner to throw into that mix, um, you're a lot deeper than you were last year. And uh, and you might really, you know, hit a jackpot, so to speak, if you uh, if if a plays like a Pro Bowl caliber player. And they also offered Bradley Roby from Denver a one year contract. I don't think they were looking for a long term answer because Akella Witherspoon was playing really well down the stretch last year before he got hurt. Uh, Tavarius Moore was transitioning from safety and and looked decent uh, for for getting his first snaps at that spot in the NFL. 
So I don't think they're giving up on either of those guys with Witherspoon going into year three and more going into year two, but they need more competition at the position. And I think bringing in a veteran like Verrett is, is exactly what they wanted to do. Uh, Murray state is up 64 to 46 on Marquette at the 850 mark remaining in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Good update. Yeah. John Morant is having a monster game. 15 points, 13 assists. He's got a future. That guy. Um, all right. Jai does. <laughs> uh, Jordan Matthews, receiver. Uh, it's a one-year, $2 million deal, 300000 guaranteed at signing. He was released by the Patriots last year after suffering a hamstring injury during the f- uh, fourth practice. He got, he got an injury settlement. Um, the year before he played in Buffalo, he was traded from the Eagles to the Bills. He suffered a chip fracture in his sternum. Uh, in training camp, and then he fractured his thumb week four. He suffered a knee injury later in the season in November that put him on injured reserve. Uh, I think what people obviously remember about Jordan Matthews, you know, is his first three seasons when he had, uh, you know, above 800 yards in, in those three years. He scored 16 touchdowns combined in his first two seasons. Uh, big slot player. I think he's going to replace Pierre Garcon or at least compete to replace Pierre Garçon with Kendrick Bourne at that Z receiver spot. Um, but obviously he has uh, he has some injury concerns these last couple years. Um, he played 14 games last year with the Eagles after getting released from the Patriots, only managed 20 catches for 300 yards. I I mean, to me, and I, and I know I said it before, I, I don't know that I, I would feel confident in saying Jordan Matthews is going to make the team. Um, particularly if the 49ers invest an early round draft pick and receiver. So, you know, I, I, I guess I'm giving this a B just because it's a low risk. It's not very much money. And this is a guy who has produced in the league. Um, but, you know, I, I would imagine the 49ers are going to have Kendrick Bourne above him on the depth chart, at least to start the offseason program, because Bourne has been here and been productive in this offense. And we don't know if Matthews is is going to be healthy, and we don't know for sure how he's how he fits because he's not he's a different type of receiver than than what we've seen with Shanahan in terms of you know guys who change directions really quickly you know three cone times something we always talk about um, route runners obviously I mean Matthews has shown he can do that and he scored a bunch of touchdowns in the league but he hasn't had a good season since uh, since 2016. And so, you know, we don't know if, if his best football is behind him or ahead of him. So like Verrett, without as many serious injury concerns, you're banking on upside and and potentially getting good value here. Yeah, and he's six. What what did you say? Six, three, two, five, something like that. Two, fifteen. He has size that the Niners don't really have on on their roster at receiver and 16 of his 22 touchdowns have come in the red zone. Which is some, which is something that they've they've struggled with. So, if there's even a modicum of versatility there, I, I think I think he does wind up making the team because he does add add something that that nobody else on their roster really does. Now, if Kendrick Bourne comes in and has a really good camp in in his the final year of of his rookie contract, then I think he could kind of play that role. But there's there's room for a player like Matthews. I think on the roster, it's just a matter of 
who is the odd man out in that situation. Right. Well, if you're not a starting receiver, so let's assume the 49ers use a second or third round pick on a potential Z, right? That guy is is more than likely going to get a really good shot at starting. Uh, so then, right. you know, is Kendrick Bourne going to play special teams? Well, he's not the fastest guy. He hasn't done much as a gunner uh, that I've seen in, in practice or in games. I don't know that he has value on special teams. I don't know that Jordan Matthews has value on special teams. So, you know, do the 49ers keep more than two Z options? I don't know that they're going to do that. We know Dante Pettis can play all three receiver spots. We know he can return. We know uh, return kicks and punts, or at least punts. We know Richie James can return kicks and punts. Uh, we know Trent Taylor can return punts and is obviously a slot guy along with Richie James. So, you know, when you're a receiver and you're not starting, you need to be able to do multiple things. I don't know if Matthews and Bourne can do multiple things, and I think Bourne was sort of on the roster as a necessity these last couple years. Not to say that he's not a good player or can't develop into a good player, but I think Pierre Garçon's injury issues were really the top reason why Bourne was was able to get as much playing time as he did, obviously. So, you know, how Matthews fits in the equation, I think he's really got to show a lot during training camp to earn a roster spot. Otherwise, I think if we were to make a roster bubble right now, I would put him right on it, um, maybe on the outside looking in yeah. even, just because, you know, and we'll see after the draft. But I'm, I'm just... You know, given what he's been the last couple of years with all these injuries and stuff, I don't know that I would guarantee him anything in terms of making the roster. Yeah, that's that's understandable. I just think that there's a spot for him if he can come out and have a productive camp and stay healthy. Uh, that it's going to be a very interesting battle for for roster. Right. So it's a one year, two million dollar contract, like we like with Verrett. Very very low risk. Um, so I'm going to give it a B. What do you, what do you give this one? Yeah, I get, I, I'm, I'm okay. right in there. Uh, probably a B if he was guaranteed to make the roster, I, I, w- I would give it an A if, if they'd signed him after his second or third season, I think you give this an A, right. but, but given that he hasn't, hasn't produced in the last couple of years, low risk. Uh, if he, if he comes out and is a, really good player in this offense. Then right. bump and so, I mean, another thing that's worth pointing out, like Matthews went to the Patriots, the Patriots struggled at receiver all last year, even after cutting him. Um, the Eagles after signing him struggled at receiver to the point where they needed to trade for uh golden Tate. So we know that the la- his last two stops, he hasn't solved any issues at receiver. And we know Buffalo obviously has, has missed on receivers throughout the last few years. And Matthews didn't solve any of their issues either. So, yeah, it, it's low risk, low money. We'll see if he if he can make the team. Um, linebacker David Mayo, two years, two point five million. Your thoughts? Love it. <laughs> yeah, this is. <laughs> they, they, they need yeah. to replace Brock Coyle as reserve inside linebacker. Yeah. You can play special yep. teams. Cool. A plus. A+. Okay, I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a B plus. How about that? <laughs> Okay, B plus for That's David fair. Mayo. Uh, Jimmy Ward brought back one year, four and a half million, three million guaranteed, one point five million in per game bonuses total. Uh, this is a far cry from the eight and a half he made last year on his fifth year option. That was all fully guaranteed. He missed half the year again after fracturing his forearm for the second straight year. We've mentioned at length Jimmy Ward missed four, the, uh, ended four of the last five seasons on injured reserve due to fractured bones. It's a low risk 
Yeah, it's 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 a low risk. I'm not entirely sure what the reward is. I think, you know, you and I both think Jimmy Ward can be a really good safety. He's probably their best free safety on the roster right now, but all the durability issues are very real. And I don't know how wise it would be for him to, you know, be your guy for 16 games, obviously. Um, but it's only four and a half million and he has versatility. Um like like Matthews and like Verrett, it's like a it's like a it's low a risk, bit... potentially high reward signing. We'll we'll have to see, but I'm I'm gonna give it a B minus just because of the overall outlook at safety and that they haven't really upgraded that position, and it was arguably along with edge rusher their most pressing issue uh, throughout 2018. When it sticks with a theme, right? I feel like with with almost all of these, we've been going well. Hey, if he can get on the field. If Jason Verrett is healthy for 16 games, awesome. If Quan Alexander gets healthy, plays at 100% for 16 games, awesome. Same thing with Jimmy Ward. There are just so many question marks around this free agent class. And, I mean, that's that's okay if they all work out, but there's also a path that that has none of these signings working out. The Niners are picking right. The they top have an entirely new strength and conditioning and athletic staff. So they, you know, the Niners have been among the league leaders the last two years and in having to use injured reserve. I want to say the numbers 41 times they've had to put guys on IR the last two years, which is not a good number at all, obviously. Uh, so you do wonder why right. they are investing in players with injury concerns, but Aside from Quan Alexander, none of these guys are really getting significant investments in them. So, I mean, if you're if if I'll look at it like this: if the Niners go into the season with, say, they draft Juan Thornhill or one of these other safeties, uh, Nasir Adderley in the second or third round, and those guys are competing for starting jobs, then I'll say, okay, the Jimmy Ward thing makes a lot of sense because he can be a backup at any position. He can provide depth. He's a good player to have. From that standpoint, if they don't add a safety who can compete for a starting spot and they're banking on Jimmy Ward to be their guy, then that is not good. So I would uh, significantly change my viewpoint on that. So for now, I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to give Ward a B minus just because it's a low risk deal financially. Um, But my overall opinion is to be determined based on how they handle the position in the draft. Okay, That's, Mike Person, I, I starting right guard, uh, three years, eight point two five million, re-signed, two point four five million guaranteed at signing. Uh, I think this is this is fine. I don't know what uh, what uh, he he was okay. He's their backup center. Uh, he can play all three guard spots. Obviously, he's somebody everyone in the locker room loves. The coaching staff loves him. He played all sixteen games last year, despite suffering a I want to say it was a foot injury in week one in Minnesota. Um, nice guy, decent enough player. He can start three years, 8.25 million, not breaking the bank. I think it's fine. I'll give it a B. Yeah, they, they probably could afford to get younger at the position for, for the long-term future, but they need a starting guard and Mike person is that, and they got him on a relatively cheap deal. So I, I have no problem with the signing. Yeah. And if, you know, with with Josh Garnett still sort of in the mix, and having person there as as you know, if to to compete with Garnett or push Garnett, um, I think is, is fine. I think you're doing okay. Yeah, and con- at the guard spot, and continuity is so important, right? 
So I think mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to give this an A because it's wow. it's it's that important I think to have continuity on the offensive line and now you know that you have a starting caliber player there and if if Joshua Garnett comes into camp and outplays him and earns a starting job great then 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 you had a good competition at the position and and you have another starter there but if they hadn't brought Mike Person back now they're sitting there with Joshua Garnett and suddenly they have to forego some other needs to draft probably a guard fairly early on so I think right. I, I think this was that was a, a really good job by the Niners front office to make getting person signed a priority before he could hit the open market. And this is the first time in in a long time since probably the Jim Harbaugh years that the 49ers are returning all five of their starting offensive linemen. Yep, that's huge. So that's good. So D Ford, I gave it a B. You gave D Ford a B too. Yeah. Quan Alexander a C. I gave it. I'm gonna call it a B minus. Okay. Because I think there's enough upside there that that it warrants something a little bit higher than a C. Tevin Coleman, we both went A. Jason Verrett, uh, did we give grades? Uh, I'm, I'll give Verrett a B. Yeah, B minus. Yeah, I'm I'm right in that same range. It just you know there's upside if he's healthy, but that's a big if. Jordan Matthews, B B minus for me, just about. Uh, yeah, probably probably in that same range. It just depends on whether he's going to make the roster. David Mayo, B plus. A plus for me. All right. Excited about David Mayo. Jimmy Ward, to be determined also. I, I, I'm I'm okay with that. And Mike Person, B, you're going A. Yep. All right. That's it for today, guys. We will be back next week. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Candlestick Chronicles on the Blue Wire Network, and enjoy your weekend. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough. And the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.